Hey everybody, it's Leah. Hope you're doing well. Hope everybody's having a good Passover. I have spent my entire morning cooking for 20 people. So I've cooked 37 pounds of brisket, five whole chickens, matzo ball soup, haroset, horseradish, let's see, the eggs, uh, carrot cakes. So as soon as I finish here, I think I've delivered all my family because I'm the one who cooks. And instead of all getting together, I decided to cook for everybody. So um, my part today is gonna be very short. I'm gonna let the experts talk about this tax protest process. I'm gonna give a short introduction of who they are and what they do and why we recommend them. I'm gonna give a short update on COVID. There's not a whole lot to report. And then I'm gonna pass the buck off to them. And I'm very excited to give this content. You guys know that we have been recommending tax protesting for a long time and property taxes specifically as it pertains to a lot of the new construction that we do is a great, benefit the first year couple years before it gets up to full value and so anyway they're going to talk a little bit about that and how the process works and also how covid is going to affect that because just like everything else some things are a little bit different so as always the first thing i need to do is go through our disclaimer everything that we're going to talk about today is my best opinion my best guess the same thing with the people that are joining us from texas tax protest None of us have a crystal ball. We're all professionals and specialists in our fields. But of course, the information that we discuss should be verified. You should talk to your own tax consultants and the people that you trust before making any decision. So with a quick little update on what's going on, we are about 90% of gross rents paid. We have about 9% of what's left in payment arrangements and we're about 1% that is gonna possibly face eviction. Of that 1%, most of those are tenants that were already gonna be evicted, most of which were tenants that we took over for that purpose or tenants we inherited. So all in all, I think rent's going very well. We still have people meeting those arrangements. We've had a couple people dodging us, but all in all, I think it's been a pleasant surprise, much better than we expected. Things are still quite normal here. Um, I don't know if you saw some of the craziness that went on with the Dallas mayor and the city council limiting his powers, but interesting read if you wanna Google that. But Collin County and all of the kind of outlying counties were all holding pretty steady. Hasn't been a whole lot going on. Our hospitals are doing fine. Dallas County has more cases. Harris County has more cases than Dallas. Um, so heart of Houston, heart of Dallas, but the suburbs for the most part, we're all doing pretty well. And overall we're doing much, much better than a lot of other areas. So of course we're keeping the rest of the country in our thoughts. There was one change that I did just wanna go over with you. The Supreme Court in Texas did extend the delay on all residential evictions. And so right now it's looking like May is gonna be when we can begin filing and start having cases being set now. This does not supersede the federal government with the 120 day mandate. And so for those of you with delinquent tenants, we're gonna be reaching out to find out what type of mortgage you have and the information that we need to be able to determine when we can handle those evictions. And so, as I spoke about last week, many of you that are sitting in Fannie Mae loans, I've, I've been recommending to get onto commercial financing. Now is a great time to do it. So if you have any questions on that or you'd like to discuss it, as always, you can reach out to me. Again, my cell phone is 214-724. 9118. But for today, we are going to be talking about tax protest and they're going to explain what that means. But there's a few things that my goal with having this class was to cover. 
Number one, it's why we need to do it. Number two, the fact that it's really a no cost to you. And that's really important because you're not gonna win every year. When the market's been doing what it's been doing the last few years, it's very hard to fight values down. I can tell you they've done a fantastic job with my portfolio and the majority of the people that we've sent to them, they have had amazing results. And it's important really in this market more than ever to protest those values. And then as it pertains to our new construction, if we start protesting day one or when you acquire a property, overall your trend is gonna be lower. And so tax protesting is a great way to keep your costs down. And keep in mind that one of the main reasons we talk about our two to six year sell plan is to get that capital out of the property and get back into a property that's better performing. As your value goes up, your expenses go up and rents don't go up at the same rate. So it's all very much part of our integral process to everything that we do. And if you have questions about that after, you can always reach out to me. But uh, without much ado, I'm gonna go ahead and let Texas Tax Protest get started and talk about what they offer. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. Are you guys there? Let me make sure that it did not remute you. Hold on a second. Sarah, are you there? Yeah, hey, so it looks like um, Odette's having some technical issues, but we'll go ahead and get started. Um, I just want to say thank you, Leah, for hosting this. I think this is a great opportunity for us to be able to share the information that's really important. Um, but then let's go ahead and move on. So Texas Tax Protest was founded in 20, 2010 with the mission of making the property tax appeal process easier. Um, for a long time, there was very little known about it, which is why our founder had decided that this was a great avenue to take. Um, and ever since then, you know, we've been growing. <clears throat> and then the next slide. So our impact, basically we service 35,000 accounts um, across the state of Texas and manage $14 billion in property market value. Um, and then again, we do go all over the state of Texas. We service 115 counties currently, but that doesn't restrict any others um, that are there. Um, the types of properties that we, we specialize in, um, in residential, it's a little bit of everything. We do single family, rental portfolios, builder portfolios. We partner with management firms um, and financial planning firms. And then as far as the commercial space, you know, we handle a lot of that as well. Duplexes, multifamily, uh, warehouse, industrial, office and retail. So a little bit of everything. And then for our clients that are sitting on this from San Antonio, is that an area that you service? Yeah, we service everything. We do all the major markets. So Houston, DFW, Austin, San Antonio, Harris, all of it. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> So as far as our team, um, Odette is our vice president. She does have an active real estate license and she is a licensed PTC agent. Uh, myself, Sarah, I am OmniKey's point of contact. I do have a uh, valid PTC license um, and I do manage a lot of our residential portfolios um, on the back end, as well as Cree. He's also licensed. So if you ever call in, you'll probably speak to one of the three of us. <clears throat> 
So as far as today, we want to cover everything that you, Leah, have um, mentioned. We want to go over what your notice of value looks like, what your tax bills look like, um, what is a, pro a protest, um, and what the process is, and then talk a little bit about how the appraisal process works and where your value is coming from. And then, of course, cover the, a couple types of properties um, that may pertain to y'all. Um, and then, of course, the value of protesting, what are some best practices um, as far as your agency, what sort of evidence do you think they'll need, and then, of course, we'll cover um, our portion of the COVID-19 impact. <clears throat> so let's talk property taxes. So this is just an example of what you get in the mail or what your um, agency gets in the mail every year sometime in March. This is your notice of appraised value. Um, typically, these are sent out and received by April 15th. Um, <clears throat> and then again, this will be sent to either you, the owner, or the property tax firm that you've hired to go through this process. What this is going to outline is the assigned value for that tax year, along with the estimated taxes that are due. This is not a bill, so don't feel like you have to pay this immediately. Um, and then, of course, it'll include your deadline to file that protest, which is 30 days from the date which this is noticed. Um, or May 15th, whichever is later. So just to kind of give some background on this, everybody, don't be freaking out that you haven't gotten one yet and April 15th is around the corner. I have not gotten a single one. So they are definitely running behind and often they do come late and that's without COVID. So just keep that in mind. So on all of my properties, I have yet to receive a single one. Yeah, we've seen the same thing on our end. <clears throat> Um, okay, so this is um, just an example of the tax bill that either you or your mortgage company will receive. This is the actual amount due or tax levy for the current tax year. Um, taxes are typically paid by January 31st of the following year. So taxes for 2020 um, are due January 31st, 2021. <clears throat> so the whole thing's just a little bit behind. <clears throat> So now we'll cover what a property tax protest actually is. So this is your opportunity as a property owner in Texas to challenge um, your property value that is issued by um, the Central Appraisal District every year. Keep in mind this value is issued as of January 1st. So anything after that that occurs to the property, any damages or anything like that, unfortunately don't go into play until the following tax year. Um, but property owners have Property owners may protest the value themselves or they can hire a firm like us. Um, this is something we've done again since 2010. Of those who protest their, on their own, only 22% we've seen actually receive a reduction. However, if you're represented by a professional firm, that percentage goes up significantly to about 79%. <clears throat> and then I just wanna reiterate, your protest must be filed with the county by May 15th or 30 days after the value notice date. So that'll be indicated on your uh, notice of value. And then lastly, we just want to let you guys know that there are two forms of protest or common forms of protest. You have the informal appeal, which is basically a conversation with the county appraiser. And then you have the option, if you're not happy, to escalate to an ARB hearing, um, which is more formal, but definitely something you want to take advantage of if you're not happy. <laughs> let's see. The next thing we want to really talk about and stress is that this is your legal right. As far as the Texas Constitution says, um, you, you have the ability to negotiate this value. 
your value has to be equal and uniform. And if it's not, that's where you're going to find those um, reductions happen. And then, of course, it's based on current market value. So nothing in the past, nothing in the future. It's current market value. <clears throat> All right. So let's cover the county protest process. Um, basically, what this looks like is January 1st, you get your value. April and May, you get those notices to let you know sort of what your value looks like and what your potential taxes are going to be. May and July, this is when you have that opportunity to file that protest and you start receiving um, those, those dates that you can go in for your ARB hearing if that's what you want to do. July and September is when the local taxing units adopt their budgets and their tax rates. So again, we're protesting the value, not the tax rate or anything like that. That's completely separate and done after this protest process. And then finally in October through January, this is when your tax bills are gonna be mailed by your tax assessor and the tax assessor and collectors collect your taxes. Um, <clears throat> so just keep that in mind. And then as far as our process, we pretty much mirror the same thing. January 1st is when we start looking for those values to come out and the data is released. April and May, again, that's when you guys see your um, value notices and when we start to accept new clients. In May and July, this is when um, we actually file the protests and start preparing for those cases. July and September, that's when our hearings do begin. We are logging results, sending those out, and then, of course, invoicing or sending those to you so you know exactly what's happened. And then finally, um, October and January, we're going to continue sending those out. So depending on how the protest process goes, um, you know, you could see those results come out later in the year, October, November, December. <clears throat> All right, so now we're going to get a little bit more technical and sort of explain where your value is coming from. So prior to 1979, um, the tax assessor, collector, and CAD basically were the same thing. Um, values were issued and based off of who knows what. Um, but then in 1979, Texas lawmakers did come up with the Pavito Bill, which essentially formed a basis for the property tax system that we know today. It created a CAD, the person who comes up with your value, and then the tax assessor collector, who again collects your property taxes. Um, so it sort of depoliticized that whole process. And then, of course, um, they did say that now your property has to be assessed at full market value and assessed once every three years. <clears throat> so what is an appraisal? Uh, real estate appraisals, are, property valuation or land valuation is the process of developing an opinion of value. That's really important to keep in mind. There's a lot of different types of appraisals and the type and extent of that appraisal is determined by the scope of work. So for the central appraisal district, that scope of work is based on mass appraisal. Because these properties have to be reassessed once every three years and because some of the larger counties have so many properties, they had to come up with a system that allowed them to do this amount of work in a very short amount of time. So due to the large number of properties, CAD appraisers use this mass appraisal system. And just to kind of go into background of why this is so important for us, is you have to remember a lot of what we deal in is renovated or infill properties. And so for those of you where you have 
either a property that's not as nice perhaps as what's around because you've got an older renovated property or maybe you've got a new property in the middle of others. This appeal is very important so that you are being appraised for what your condition and your property is, especially in neighborhoods where not everything is the same. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a great point. <clears throat> so to continue, mass appraisal model continued. Um, the definition of this is process is the process of valuing a group of properties as of a given date. So right now we're talking January 1st. Um, this is a article system um, and it, there's a checks and balances that happens on the back end. So the accuracy is there. But how does this work? So the CAT appraisers group similar properties together into quote neighborhoods. This isn't exactly like subdivisions, how we think of neighborhoods. Um, we'll show you an example of that uh, further down. As far as the CAD neighborhoods, they're made up of similar quality properties with similar ages, market appeal, um, and other factors. Some of these neighborhoods could only have 50 properties, and then some could have as many as 5,000. So that's something else that really needs to be taken into consideration. Um, as smaller neighborhoods, are appraised more quickly and more effectively, whereas larger neighborhoods, not so much. <clears throat> so now the more technical portion of this. So in a mass appraisal model, the median or middle neighborhood modifier is extracted from all the data in the market. Um, and then this middle modifier is applied to all the properties within that neighborhood code we just talked about. This means that if the middle factor is used, then all the properties below that middle factor are undervalued and all properties above the middle factor are overvalued. <clears throat> and then I'll go ahead and show you a picture of that on the next slide. <clears throat> so this is sort of what the distribution looks like. Um, when the neighborhood modifier is added to the neighborhood of properties, um, you get section C, B, and A. Section B, this is where all your fairly valued properties are. Typically in a protest, you're gonna see very slight reductions in these properties um, or nothing at all. And that's just because they're considered fairly valued. Section C is everything that's under that middle modifier. So typically these properties have an unsuccessful protest because we're trying to establish a fair value, which is in section B. And then lastly, section A, this is the group of properties that are overvalued. So these properties should have a successful protest or see a reduction in their value because they're above that median line or that fair value. The purpose of the protest is to establish a fair value or to have the property fall in line with the other properties in your neighborhood code. <clears throat> so we wanna talk about price per square foot just really quick. Um, basically the formula for this is property value divided by the property square footage. And the problem with this is that this is suggesting that the value of a property is attributed only to the square footage, which is not necessarily the case, as we'll see on the next slide. <clears throat> so here we have three properties that were all built by the same builder, but between basically the same years, roughly the same size square footage, but you can see we have $150 a square foot, $124 a square foot, and $128 a square foot. So what attributes to this? Well, you could have different upgrades on the interior of the property that are not considered in price per square foot. These property, some of these properties could have a pool. They could have different lot sizes. There's a lot of different things that add into the value of the property that's not just square footage. 
So let's break it down into something that's a little bit more easy to, to relate to, right? So most people drink coffee or tea or something like that. Um, so smaller, smaller cups or, or tall, tall coffees um, have the smallest price, but they have the highest price per ounce. The larger cups or the venties have the higher price, but you pay less per ounce. It's the same thing as buying bulk rice or something like that. We refer to this in the appraisal world as economies of scale. <clears throat> So just to summarize everything that we've just talked about, I know it's a lot of information. Um, properties are appraised through a mass appraisal system. This is done um, as a systematic appraisal of groups of properties within a neighborhood code as of a given date. We're talking January 1st. Um, <clears throat> the county must reappraise your property at minimum once every three years. However, in the hot market, like we've been seeing recently, um, you could see a new value on your home every year. <clears throat> because the mass appraisal system lumps all your properties together, it leaves a great deal of room for error and gives opportunities for the value to be reduced. <clears throat> individual property or individual details of the property are something that you really want to consider, and we'll cover that in just a second. Um, this is where most property owners are going to find success in the appeal. And then you never know where your property is going to fall in that curve, that ABC curve. This is why it's important to file an annual protest and not to get discouraged when you don't receive a value change. Leah, I think you mentioned that earlier. This is just a protesting is just a way of managing your value over time. I remember when the market started falling and everyone there was this big misconception that, oh, don't protest your property taxes. If that value is higher, buyers are going to pay more. They look at these things. And even just as recently as 10, 15 years ago, people really didn't understand the importance of this process. And we started recommending it and signed up with a company that now has transitioned to you all years ago. And everyone really felt like this tax value had something to do with your fair sales value. And it's just not the case. And so what happened is people's values got up, 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 the market fell and they were so far behind. So it's very important the moment that you buy a property, you put it into protest, whether you're doing it yourself, whether you're hiring them to do it, however you want to get it done, it's very important. Because if you look at the trend, the longer that you have that property in protest, you're going to fight it more and more and more every single year. And although it may still rise as the market goes crazy, overall, you're going to see a better trend. And so I, I strongly recommend protesting your taxes every single year. There are going to be some years where you've got it down enough and the market's built enough that you're not going to be able to reduce your value, but you have nothing to lose. And the bottom line is it's very important to do that. I had one customer who really hadn't been doing anything with their commercial properties and we went and we did a protest on it and the tax savings was significant, significant. And the problem is the more that you let it ride up, the harder it's going to be to get it back down. So it's definitely something that we recommend doing up front, starting that habit early and automatically every year. So what I do is when I, you know, I buy a lot of properties once a year or twice a year, I send them the list of every property I have and tell them to appeal every single one, including my personal home. And by the way, you guys have been great for my personal home too. And higher price point properties can be very difficult. So we've seen great success with both single family, multifamily, commercial. So definitely something that I recommend doing. And if you're in a state that allows this process, make sure that you're doing it across all of your investments, across all of the states if the state allows this. Because really at the end of the day, if you have a company that takes a percentage of the savings, you have nothing to lose. So just my two cents. 
Yeah, no, that's a great point. And especially when the market falls, typically we'll see values get held by the central appraisal district. And those are the years you really want to hit it hard and make sure that you protest. So that was a great point. <clears throat> so to move on, let's see, it looks like uh, here we have an example of the difference between neighborhood codes and the subdivisions. So neighborhood codes as established by the central appraisal district are represented by the blue numbers. So they're blocked out. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. But then you have the traditional subdivisions that you can see that are broken out by major streets and things of that nature. So it's really important to make sure that um, that you protest because as you can see, let's take it, for example, section number eight. The properties in the right hand portion of that, they have smaller lots. They don't back up to the same type of street, but they're being compared to the properties more on the left side of that box. And so there can be a discrepancy there that that can be challenged through a protest process. So one of the things we love about infill, which you guys know I buy a lot of infill, is we actually see a lot of benefits with the tax. Because what happens is they're comparing you against all the older properties, most of which have not been rebuilt, or maybe it's 50-50. And so in those areas, we see where we often stay far ahead of the curve in terms of what values are. Whereas if I look at the properties that I own in HOAs or in regular neighborhoods, specifically newer homes, we see that we're a lot closer or at market value. So I also see a lot of benefit from the way that they do it when you are the nicest house in the area. But when you're the worst house in the area or you're one of the cheaper houses in the area, that's where you typically hurt. Yeah, absolutely. So now we're going to go into a couple of types of properties and how to sort of navigate these um, situations. So we'll start with rental properties. These properties are not always treated differently than owner-occupied residences um, it, through this appeal process. I think we can all say that rental properties are worn harder than maybe your personal home. I've experienced that. Um, so in these, in these um, types of properties, condition is king. We want to make sure to tell a story about what your property has been through. So how do you do that? Photos, repair estimates, things like that to prove that the property may not be in the type of condition that the central appraisal district thinks that it is. And then the last thing to remember for rental properties is market rate. Rental properties are not protected by fluctuations in the market. So you may have an owner-occupied residence that has a homestead or an over 65 or some type of exemption that it can qualify for. Rental properties don't have that option, which is why sometimes you can see your value increase significantly with a hot market. <clears throat> Let's see. So the next one we have are recently purchased properties. We deal with this a lot. Um, the purchase price of a specific, the purchase price of the property is the specific market value of that home. There's no better comparable for that property than its own sale. It's perfect. Um, the CAD typically has access to MLS just through their own agents, um, different avenues, either their brokers or real estate agents on the side or over the weekend or something like that. So that information is out there. There are some exceptions to this, like Grayson County. They don't have access to MLS, so we can have success there when they see that there's been a deed change um, and they don't have that purchase price. Now, so there's even, actually some lawsuits. Oh, this. And so I'm not going to go into too much detail on this, but there have actually been lawsuits on this matter about the CADs having access to MLS. And a lot of that has been restricted more than before. And mm -hmm. for those 
seen that benefit to Grayson County, you know that's a lot of what we sell and buy is Sherman, Denison, those areas. And it's one of the reasons that we love it. And so mm -hmm. all the time when I tell you, throw away those notice of appraised values where they're asking you what you paid and asking you the details, this is why we don't want to provide that. But we are seeing more and more CADs not being able to access MLS. And there's been a lot of lawsuits and rulings about this recently in the last two years as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and that's because Texas is a non-disclosure state. So there, there should be rules around that. But even in non-disclosure states like we have, purchase information can still be made available as we've seen. Um, you don't need to disclose this purchase price to them, just like Leah said. So don't give it to them if let's say you paid more. Um, but typically if your purchase price is not listed on MLS and the county doesn't have that, sometimes they'll look up your promissory note and utilize that to come up with your market value. Um, so that's why sometimes you can see your value increase. And then the last thing we wanna cover on uh, recently purchased properties is the potential to change in the following year's tax bill. So new build properties, which we'll cover next, um, have benefits that you lose once you've purchased it from the builder. And then the second thing is the previous exemption, previous owner's exemptions do fall off. So those benefits that they had in the previous year are now gone. <clears throat> and then the last type of property we want to cover are new construction. I know you guys uh, deal a lot with this. So a couple of things we want to point out. In the first year, your tax bill is typically based off an unimproved lot or land value only. Remember your values issued as of January 1st. So if you have a partial complete home, maybe just a slab or a frame or something like that, you're gonna get taxed on that and they have to come up with a value. So for example, if the property is 60% complete on January 1st, then your tax bill will reflect that on the improvement value at 60%. These properties also, we've seen in the past, have builder discounts that severely cut down on the annual taxes that are due at the end of that year. So in the second year, you can expect your tax bill to increase dramatically. Why? Because that builder discount goes away and the property was fully complete as of January 1st in pristine condition or excellent condition. Um, so with investors, these properties are typically rented immediately. And keep in mind, you still have the option to challenge these assessments. Even if it's a new build, doesn't mean there's not room for movement on that value. And what we've been seeing just in what we deal in is typically year two, they get to about 80 to 85%, sometimes a little bit less. We're not seeing a lot of going to 100%. So especially in these areas where their systems are just not as good to track that data. Yeah, and it's all based on an opinion of the appraiser. They do a drive-by and they see, you know, a structure, but they don't know exactly. So that's that's a good reason to make sure that you protest, especially on those new builds. Yeah, great. So, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to cover three examples of the benefit of protesting over time. So this person's been with us for a very long time. You can see in 2013 when they signed up, they had an initial value of 216.182. We were able to drop that a little bit. And then every year moving forward, we've been able to chip away at that value and save this client quite a bit of money, um, as you can see in the estimated tax savings. This is a perfect example for why you need to protest every year, because if you don't, you're going to be paying on that premium market value. And if you're saving a couple hundred bucks a year per property, that's great. That's money that's in y'all's pocket. Um, and it's great for your renters. <laughs> but typically, just to give you a perspective, a protest is successful three out of five consecutive years. And typically, you're going to see a reduction between two and five percent.
So this client has been with us for a couple of years. Um, when they first started with us in 2015, they started at 532.50. We dropped them just a little bit, not a lot, but enough for them to see a little bit of savings. And then every year moving forward, we've saved them. In 2018, their value jumped to 534.800, and we were able to settle at a value lower than what we did in 2015. So this is a good example of how the market can change and how if you don't protest, you're stuck at that higher value. So one thing that I'd like to point out here is I want to go back a slide and I want you to look at how this value went up on this property. And I'm just going to take a kind of side note here and segue into what I talk about a lot. I want you to look at how much this value dropped on the cheaper property and how much increase they saw from a percentage standpoint and a dollar amount standpoint. And then I want you to look over here at this more expensive property. So when I talk to you guys about the cheaper you buy, the better your potential is, this is a perfect, perfect example. Now, odds are this property went up in these four years more than $4,000 in value. The cat is just having a more difficult time appraising this property for whatever reason. But still, the best percentage of return and the best potential you're going to see in your investment properties for value increase is typically going to be your cheapest properties. They are the most primed to go up because it doesn't take that much to go up 10% on a $150,000 home. It takes a whole lot to go up 10% on a half a million dollar home. So just keep that in mind. So when we talk about the cheapest properties you can get that are great condition, good locations, that's another example of what we're talking about here. Sorry. No, you're fine, great point. Um, and then just one more example, we're going to a higher price point here. Um, client's been with us for a couple of years. In 2016, they started at 778, 770, and we dropped them significantly down below 750. So this was about a 4% um, decrease in their value. And then now in 2018, they started at a value at 873, 640, and we dropped them again down to what we settled in 2016. So a significant savings for this client, but had they not protested, they would have been paying taxes on over $100,000 in market value that they shouldn't have. Um, so I think that's really important. And then just real quick, if you guys want to see any other uh, case studies that we've done on different price points, different types of properties, you can check us out online at texastaxprotest.com. So now, what can, what can help uh, your case? So things your agent needs from you, different types of evidence are like your photos, your move out reports, uh, rental rates or rent rolls, leases, repair estimates, closing documents, things like that are really going to show um, the condition of the property. And that's what we're trying to tell a story about. The very last bullet point there um, are, are appraisals. So keep in mind, appraisals aren't always helpful just because it's another appraiser's opinion of value, but it can influence the appraiser that we're sitting with, their decision on how your value is adjusted. And then as a client of ours, you receive a short guided questionnaire that will request this type of information um, should you wish to provide it. So of course, nothing is mandatory. I don't think I've ever provided you guys much of anything, but that being said, it is important if you have these things to do it. And of course, for move out reports and photos, you guys can just use your walkthrough reports, or of course you can ask us to send that over for you as well. Awesome, thank you. And then uh, we're just gonna recap some of the important deadlines. So January 1st, your values are established for taxing purposes. So the CAD's gonna come up with your value as of January 1st. April 15th is when you should have your value notices. Sometimes that's skewed a little bit. Um, so just make sure to check your protest filing deadline. 
And then May 15th is the state deadline to file your protest or 30 days from when you get noticed. Um, July 25th is when per tax code, um, the property values are supposed to be certified. This is for a bulk majority of the properties. So your protest could be finished after this point. And then lastly, October and November, this is when you're gonna get your tax statement um, so that you know what you're paying in annual property taxes. <clears throat> so a couple of best practices. Again, make sure you don't miss your filing deadline, May 15th or 30 days after you get your notice. Um, that notice is gonna have some important details on your hearing date, your time, should the county require any additional documentation in those deadlines, things like that. So just make sure to keep it. And then should you have hired an agent, make sure to let them know if you get this. We're supposed to get a copy, but sometimes the county doesn't always do what they're supposed to. Um, let's see, so the time period between when you file your appeal and when the ARB date is, is typically when you have the option to do an informal hearing or that one-on-one -on -one meeting with the county appraiser. If you hired a firm, they'll do this for you. Um, but the county's only gonna hear your case once, so if you've hired somebody, please don't go attempt to try to do this as well because um, you want the best shot to get a reduction if you possibly can. Um, and then finally, results are issued in the form of a settlement waiver or ARB ruling. As a property owner who has filed their own case, your values are immediately changed and you should receive your waiver or ruling that same day or very shortly after. Sometimes with a firm, this process can take longer. Sometimes that's weeks, sometimes that's months, but bear with them and feel free to check in at any time. Um, all right, so then um, as Leah touched on at the very beginning of all of this is the COVID impact and how that's gonna change um, the protest process and things of that nature. So keep in mind your values issued as of January 1st. Any impact from the current health crisis is not gonna be considered more than likely until 2021. Um, so that's really based on the current tax code and the provisions within that. There's nothing to say that the current health crisis should impact for the current year. Um, but that being said, you know, for 2020, most CAD doors will remain closed to the public, but there's still going to be that opportunity to protest. You're not losing that, that ability or that right. Um, again, that means, you know, a lot of the communication is going to be over phone or online. So you're not going to be able to go in and talk to somebody. So there's a lot that can be lost in translation, which is going to make this year a little bit more difficult should you choose to file your own um, appeal. If you do file your own appeal through the e-file process, um, just know that typically a value is issued based on an algorithm on the CAD side. So you could provide photos and all this extra information. And a lot of times it's not considered because you've gone through the e-file process. Um, but that's just a passing point. Many appraisal districts are delaying mailing their notices. Um, so just like Leah said earlier, you may see this notice come out later. Um, for example, Grayson County last year didn't put them out until almost May 1st, um, which can be typical. And then some counties may enact processes that make the protest process a little more challenging. So again, doing everything over the phone or online or through this e-file process, that's that more challenging um, impact that we're gonna be seeing. And then through all of this talk, um, there is a possibility of a rollback to your 2019 value. That doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity to protest if your value didn't change. 
There are people that protested in 2019 and those settled values could impact your 2020 protest. So it's very important to contact your agent and figure out you know, a, a plan of action or just make sure that you file your annual protest. I personally think there may be an opportunity this year to get better results than typical because of everything going on and the fact that it's happening in this exact time period. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I could see a path where we're going to see more success this year in fighting and protesting than what we have in years past. So it'll be interesting to reconvene in a few months and see where we landed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> and then the next slide, uh, Leah, you've already touched on, but um, the Texas Supreme Court halts all residential evictions through April 19th. I think the important takeaway from this is that this condition changes all the time. We're getting updates now that they may, that may be extended through April 30th, but it could change tomorrow. So just make sure that you're up to date on all the current laws and things like that. My bet, my bet is that we're not going to have courts reopen until the middle of May. So that's just, if I were to make a guess at this point, I think areas like Dallas County and Harris County, the areas that are more heavily affected, although still not heavy affected, um, I think you're probably going to see about 30, maybe 40 more days with that. I think Collin County and the counties that are a little more conservative in their thinking and, and not so proactive in closing things, I think you'll see them start to open up the beginning of May. So we're going to keep doing the weekly updates for all of you guys and let you know kind of what our opinions are and what trends we're seeing. There's a lot of push right now to reopen things. There's a lot of push, especially in the northern counties. And so we'll keep you posted. But really, even at the grocery, you know, getting all this stuff to cook this morning, uh, both shoppers that I sent both said, wow, things are really kind of full again. We're not seeing the crowds. So I think there's a lot of normalcy returning as the good news is coming out. The market has rebounded significantly. You've seen Russia agree to cut production of oil to raise gas prices. We're seeing better results with the Plaquenil trials, even without the Z packets. There's just a lot of positive things going on. And so I think that we're going to start to see some things lighten up in the areas that are not heavily affected. Of course, this is not speaking to other states, just talking about Texas. Great, thank you. That was great information. Um, so real quick, we just want to touch on why you might want to use us. Um, we've invested a lot of money in our research technology and our data analysis and things like that. And that's really set us apart from some of the other larger property tax firms and of course the smaller ones. Uh, we do have success-based fees, so it's a win-win situation for you. And then, of course, we do have real people that support y'all. If you call in, you're going to talk to somebody from Texas who's licensed, who, you know, really knows what they're talking about. Um, something that's really important is we've done a really good job of maintaining our relationships with the CADs and being able to work closely with them has allowed us to more easily navigate this COVID-19 environment. So there's that benefit. We're also really thorough and efficient when reducing homeowners property tax burden. We've had success year over year over year um, and you can see that in your results. And then lastly, we do all the work for you. You don't have to attend any ARB hearings. You don't have to provide any additional information if you really don't want to. We do it all. Um, and then of course, our success-based fees. It's a win-win situation. You pay me not nothing up front, and only if we're successful um, are you gonna pay me an invoice for the great work that my team has done. <clears throat> so you have everything to gain. Oh, go ahead. How does it typically work when they're not an OmniKey client? Are they being charged the same rate if they had found you on Google and came to you? 
No, not at all. So OmniKey clients um, have a great opportunity when using us. We've further discounted our fee for them. Um, you know, all we would need in order to be able to provide that, that fee structure is the email that you guys receive um, and our Texas tax protest flyer that's included in that. And we'll make sure to get that extended. Wonderful. Um, and then a, a couple of other great things about Texas tax protest, you know, we were voted best places to work in 2019, um, which we haven't done in the past, which is great. And then of course our team, I can't speak but great things about them. All of our members are PTC licensed. You're gonna call in, you're gonna talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. Um, we're real people based in Texas. We have texting capabilities in our main line uh, listed there on the screen at 214-960-5590. We use DocuSign, so the sign-up process is very simple. And then, of course, we provide you that property questionnaire to provide any additional information um, should you wish to. And then as far as the agents who are actually handling your properties in your case um, and presenting this to the ARB, um, they have 85 years plus of experience between them. We're a CFA and CPA based company with a former lawyer, former county appraisers and appraiser managers, licensed real estate agents who know the area, investors and seasonal PTC designated agents that act on your behalf. So there's a lot of great things that uh, my team has built over the year. And then of course, you're not gonna find a more aggressive or fair team to represent your home or portfolio. <clears throat> And then um, should you ever need to contact us, you have our main line, again, at 214-960-5590, or you can go online, we do have that option as well. Um, and then of course, all of our direct contact information for myself, Cree, or Odette. Wonderful. I can't thank you guys enough for being with us today. And of course, to all of our clients and friends, thank you for being a part of everything going on and always listening to the educational opportunities we provide. I hope everybody is staying safe and we will look forward to seeing everybody for another class again next week. And again, thank you guys so much for being with us. Thanks, Leah.